Welcome to Tanakh Daily, a Congregation Ahavas Torah initiative. Today, we are focusing on the ninth perek of Shmuel Bet, which opens with David HaMelech asking if there are any surviving members of the house of Shaul. Now, in the ancient world, when a king would take power and would replace a, a previous king, a previous dynasty, it was common that the new king would kill off all of the prior king's surviving family. Partially, this was because it was a form of punishment for whatever wrongdoings the previous king had perpetrated on the people, or perhaps even particularly on the new king. That's certainly the case with respect to David and Shaul. But also, it's a a savage political move, because the remnants of the previous king uh, and his household have a real claim, have a legitimate claim to power and to the throne. And so the new king wants to remove that potential barrier, that potential threat to his kingship. And that's why kings would do this. And this is something that unfortunately we're going to see with future kings. It's why Shaul wanted David to promise that he was specifically not going to do this to his family. And David does make that promise, enters that covenant with Shaul. Indeed, David's interest in finding the remnants of Shaul's house is not to do them harm, but quite the opposite. Tells you how wonderful David is, how special David is. He wants to find them in order to act kindly with them. Interestingly, David does not say that he's doing this because of the pact, because of the covenant that he made with Shaul, but as a tribute to Yonatan, as an honor to the memory of of Yonatan, who we know David uh, so deeply loved and admired. David contacts Tziva, who is the the servant to Shaul and asks him if there are any living remnants of Shaul's family. And he tells him that indeed there is a son that was born to Yonatan uh, and his name is Mephibosheth, who's crippled. We learned about him briefly some prakim ago. And he lived now in the house of Machir in a place called Lodavar. So David has Mephibosheth brought to Yushalayim. Mephibosheth arrives before David. He falls on his face, prostrates himself. He says, your servant is before you, subjugating himself in a very clear way. And obviously there's a sense of fear and vulnerability that he has in this moment, afraid, fearing for the worst. But David tells him, don't worry. He's going to act kindly with him because he is Yonatan's son. And he tells him that he's going to return all of Shaul's land to him, to Mephibosheth. And that Mephibosheth will also eat at David's table like a member of the royal family. Mephibosheth's overwhelmed. He says, I don't know what I've done to deserve this. And, uh, and David then tells Tziva, the servant, that he and his family will work the land on behalf of Mephibosheth. And they will serve Mephibosheth in the same way that they had served Shaul. And then the parak essentially comes to a close. Now, taken by itself, this parak is a simple, heartwarming story of David's piety as he deals kindly with Mephibosheth and honors his dear friend Yonatan by restoring his son Mephibosheth, uh, to whom we as the readers certainly feel very sympathetic, uh, to a royal uh, kind of lifestyle, a, a life of royal comfort. Uh, and it's a magnanimous gesture by David. Full stop. If we, would, if we would view it in a vacuum, we would say, well, this belongs with the previous prakim because previous prakim were all of the wonderful successes as David uh, uh, as, David as king. Right, all of David's successes as king. And this is another one of the great successes. He, he is able to kind of rise above uh, the, uh, the natural uh, desire to be punitive to the, towards Shaul, and he demonstrates love and care and kindness. But it's more complicated than that. This is a, a more complicated perek uh, because 
uh, it is really setting the stage. It really belongs to what will happen in the future prakim because it's setting the stage and in a certain respect foreshadowing political turmoil that is going to take place. And once we read those prakim, we'll, we'll look back and we'll, with the, with the uh, added uh, insight and the um, kind of privilege of retrospect, we'll be able to reassess this parak a little bit and, and think a, a little bit more about what's going on beneath the surface. And I want to kind of do that now. I want to go back with keener eyes, even though we haven't yet seen how this will develop, but I want to kind of alert us to some things that might be developing already on a textual level here. David's behavior is certainly beyond repute. David's acting kindly. But it's the other characters. It's the behavior of Tziva and Mephibosheth and the dynamic between the two of them that is uh, worthy of a second look, particularly Tziva. When David wants to find a descendant of Shaul's house, he goes to Tziva. Why is that? Presumably, that's because Tziva is still the ward of Shaul's land. He and his family are there. They're on Shaul's land, and he's in control of, of Shaul's estate. But Mephibosheth is not present, even though it would seem that he's the heir to that wealth, uh, certainly some of it. So why is that? Why is Mephibosheth not there? So you could say that, well, Mephibosheth is in hiding because he fears precisely what he fears when he is summoned by David. He fears reprisal uh, because of how Shaul treated David. And so Mephibosheth can't just live in the in the, in the palace that theoretically belongs to him, Shaul's palace and Shaul's land. He can't do that uh, because that, he's, a, he's a sitting duck. David will be able to come and kill him, so he has to go hide. That's one way of, of understanding why Tziva is on the family land and Mephibosheth is not there. Alternatively, you could see this as something much more sinister, and you could say that Tziva somehow pushed out Mephibosheth. He, he kept him on the margins in some way. We don't really know, but there certainly is a question mark there, uh, particularly because, as we said, we know how things will develop, or maybe we're learning how things will develop. I'll just, I'll note, that there's going to be jostling between Tziva and Mephibosheth for a, a claim to this land. So uh, the background is unclear to us. What we do know at this point is just the particulars of this parak. And I think even in this parak, you can already see the uh, beginnings of a, uh, of a conflict between these two parties. How so? We're told that David tells Tziva to serve Mephibosheth, and he responds that he's going to do everything that uh, the king has commanded him to do. And he says, Mephibosheth, ochel al shulchani ke'achad mi says that Mephibosheth will eat uh, from my table as one of the king's sons. Which means, just as Mephibosheth uh, set a table for Shaul's children, so now he will also set a table and, and serve uh, Shaul's grandson. But there's a subtlety there. He says, Ochel al shulchani, he will eat at my table. Tziva still sees Shaul's property as fundamentally his. It's my table. Right? It's, it's Tziva who has been there all along. And he's not eager to simply hand over the reins, hand over all of this territory that, that Tziva has perhaps grown accustomed to being the head of uh, to some long-lost grandchild of Shaul. So the subtlety in this Pasuk betrays some resentment from Tziva directed at Mephibosheth. So to summarize, we have a parak that looks quite lovely and civil. David acts kindly with Shaul's grandson and Yonatan's son, Mephibosheth. He restores him to a kind of 
pseudo-royalty status, eating at David's table. He, of course, brings him out of exile, restores him to the, the family land and the family fortune. But knowing what will come in the future prakim, we also detect a sense of resentment from Tziva, which will fester and then ultimately manifest itself in the prakim ahead. That's it for today. Chazak ve'ematz and happy learning.